This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. She'll lift you up and empower you to help your child and your family thrive. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I am going to talk today about focusing on what matters as parents raising these kids with ADHD, maybe autism, maybe some learning disabilities, anxiety, depression, bipolar, you know, all of these things that often come along with ADHD is a real challenge, but there is a way to succeed at it. And there is a path to doing it more gracefully to really um, kind of taking the bull by the horns in a very compassionate and gentle way and making some good progress through that. And So when I talk about focusing on what matters, let's talk about that for a second and dive deeper into it. We feel like when our kids are diagnosed that everything matters, right? Every single struggle, every single difference, every single challenge, every, you know, little thing that happens to our kids really matters to us. And of course it does. We love our kids, right? We super love our kids. We care about them so much and we don't like to see our kids in pain. That's natural. That's part of parenthood and it's really part of life for every parent out there. But for us, with these kids that have different challenges that are um, neuroatypical, we have additional stuff to worry about, to stress about. There's so many more things, right? We could sit down and make a list and our list would be huge and monumental. What do we want to change? What do we want to improve? What do we want to take away from our kids? What pain do we want to erase for them? Um, What do we want to help them accomplish? Um, What sort of lagging skills do they have, right? There's all of these different things that we're so worried about. We worry about our own relationships with our kids too, right? When um, our kids are unable to meet our expectations on a regular basis, they're always in trouble. We're always correcting them. We're always asking them to do things differently. That is a really heavy burden. We don't want to be that parent. I don't think any of us want to be that parent. And yet we very easily fall into that trap when we're parenting kids with ADHD or autism or other challenges. And I want to tell you first what really matters. Let's talk about what the end goal is. And I talk about this with parents all the time. You have to step back and first ask yourself, what is the goal? What is the true goal here? And here's an example that I use all the time, homework. What is the real goal of a math worksheet that comes home to do for homework 
for your child? What is the teacher's ultimate highest level goal for that project? And it's two things. It's one, to practice so that they have mastered the skill. And it's also to show the teacher that they've learned and mastered the skill, right? They've learned and mastered addition, subtraction, division, whatever that worksheet is. Those are the two goals. They're not to make responsible, accountable kids. They're not to um, torture kids with learning disabilities, certainly. But so often, that innocent math worksheet does exactly that. It's torturing our kids. It's showing them what ways that they're different from their peers. It's pointing out their struggles. It's making them feel incompetent in a lot of ways, right? If, it, if they're really struggling with this worksheet, they're not going to feel competent. They're not going to feel good about themselves. So we're trying to meet this overarching goal of practice until you've mastered and showing your teacher that you've mastered. So what if your child, your student could show that they have mastered the skill and that they are competent with it by doing half of that math worksheet. Why should they not be allowed to do that? Because what we're talking about here is not the child with ADHD who could sit down and bang out that math worksheet just like their peers. We're talking about the child with slow processing speed. We're talking about the child who struggles with sequencing and planning and organization. We're talking about a child who maybe struggles with dysgraphia. So they easily get math problems wrong when they're working them out because they can't even read their own writing as they're going through the steps. We're talking about the kid who takes an hour to do the third grade grade math worksheet that their peers are finishing in 15 minutes. That's when we're talking about changes and accommodations and focusing on what matters. Because it doesn't matter that your child does the exact same amount of math problems as their peers, does it? I'm going to tell you that it does not. I know that people feel like equal is same, and it's not. Equality is not everyone having the same thing or being responsible for doing the same thing. Equality and fairness comes from everyone getting what they need at that moment where they are. So at that moment where your child is, they need to not have to do a full math worksheet because it's sending them the wrong message. It's sending them the message that they're not smart, that they're incapable, that they're not as good at something as their peers. And we don't want that for our kids. Of course, we don't want that. So what matters is showing the teacher that they have mastered that task and making sure that they have mastered it. Lots of kids can do that with much less work than what is given to the entire class. And I'll say too, while we're on this topic, the entire class, they're all different learners. Why are they all getting the exact same assignment? They never should be. Your child with ADHD or, you know, if there's a handful of kids with ADHD in that classroom, they're not the only kids who learn differently. They're not the only kids struggling with that math worksheet. They're not the only kids who 
are beginning to feel incompetent because they can't do in the same way that their peers are doing or under the expectations of their teacher or their parent. You know, that's really crushing when you can't meet the expectations of people who you really do want to please, right? So that's an example of really drilling down and asking yourself, what matters here? What is important and what is the extra minutia that is not worth my um, stress or my child's stress, not worth my anxiety or my child's anxiety, not worth ruining my relationship with my child because I spend all my time in the afternoon and evenings that I get with my child forcing them to do things that are hard for them, forcing them to do the same amount of work as their peers, for instance. These are really, really important skills for you as a parent to figure out what matters and what doesn't, and to really question what matters. That's what I'm really talking about here. I'm giving you permission to question the status quo, to question what actually matters in your child's life, what actually truly is worth the energy and the potential stress and strain. Those are the things you need to focus on. You need to stand your ground on. The other stuff is just stuff. It's just noise that we need to start turning down. So what really matters in a very overarching way for our kids in the grand scheme of their life, right, is their happiness, for one thing, both now and as an adult, their success as an adult. And when I use the word success, I'm you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes, because we have to redefine what success looks like for our individual unique child. Not what society tells us success is, but what success looks like for our child okay and so we're talking about happiness success but we're also talking about confidence and competence right when do we feel really good about ourselves when do we feel like we are capable and like we have value that's when we feel confident and competent in what we're doing and focusing on those two traits is really valuable for our kids. These are terms that I learned from Jerome Schultz. Dr. Jerome Schultz, who um, is at Harvard Medical School, wrote the book Nowhere to Hide about stress and school for kids with learning challenges. Totally recommend the book. Very big ahas in there. And um, just really insightful for how much stress and strain our kids are really under and then what that does for their functioning. Stress, especially toxic stress, which a lot of our kids are enduring at school, is really detrimental to our physical and neurological functioning. It inhibits good cognitive processes you know it the amygdala takes over the emotions take over and then our kids can't even um, access what they need in their own bodies and brains to meet expectations to try to do the work they're being asked to do so I definitely recommend his book but I had this conversation with Dr. Schultz and he talked about 
the goal being confidence and competence. How can we help our kids meet those feelings, achieve those feelings and what they're doing, not just in school, but everywhere. If we're looking for an activity, maybe a sport, which activity or sport can our kids feel confident and competent in. And it's important to continue to gauge that. If you're trying soccer, for instance, with your child, keep asking yourself, is my child feeling confident? Is my child feeling competent? If they are the opposite of those, the activity is probably wrong, or some big changes need to be made in the way that they are maybe coached or in the way that you are talking with them about their performance during soccer, their behavior, whatever it might be, depending on the age. So I feel like those really, those four things are our goals, success, happiness, confidence, and competence. And really confidence, competence, and success all feed into happiness, right? Those are what matters. So now you can take a step back. And when you are looking at a task, an activity, a interaction with your child, whatever it might be, homework, um, a school project, ask yourself, how can I help my child feel confident and competent right now in what they're doing? Those are the big questions. And they're the most important. They matter the most, in my opinion. So first, your first step is really accepting, right? Accepting that your child's picture of success may look very different than what society tells us. Accepting that your child's definition of a happy life may look very different than what society tells us. Accepting that confidence and competence might be harder to come by. They might be more challenging, but they're also more important than they are for neurotypical kids. These are really crucial pieces that acceptance from you is the foundation. If you don't have the acceptance and the shift in your mindset starting out as a parent, all of the other things, the strategies, the approaches, the tools, the accommodations, the working on lagging skills, the collaborative approach with your child, none of that stuff is going to be as effective as it could be if you don't first have the acceptance and the right mindset. And that all comes from looking at your child as an individual They have different neurology, but a lot of people do. Neurodiversity is to be celebrated. And yes, ADHD is challenging, but they can absolutely have a happy, successful life when you're focusing on what matters. Um, When I was writing my book, The Insider's Guide to ADHD, I interviewed and surveyed 100 adults with ADHD. And I asked them, you know, my big focus was, what did the people in your life as a child do that was really great for you? And what did they do that was really detrimental that had a negative impact on you? So often, it was the negative was coming from trying to push them 
into that round hole, trying to make them fit into the box that they just didn't fit. Misunderstanding, not understanding that their brain worked differently or that they couldn't achieve the same things in the same ways, but still really pushing for them to be or perform as though they were neurotypical. That was a big negative. The big positive that I heard over and over again was that they focused on the positive. They focused on their gifts, their talents, their passions. They put more energy into discovering that stuff and nurturing that stuff than what they put into the challenges. And I'm not saying that we ignore ADHD, that we ignore behavior issues, that we ignore the challenges. What I'm saying is that we have to put more emphasis on the positive. And I can tell you from personal experience, when I made that shift in my family, the light switch went on. There was a monumental shift in the mood and tone of our entire family. There was a big sigh of relief because we weren't just living in that negative, heavy headspace anymore. We were thinking about and focusing on the good stuff, the positive stuff that was much more pleasant, to be honest, right? It was much more pleasant and it was much more um, freeing to everyone to be thinking about stuff that's going right or stuff where, again, I'm going to use those C words where our kids feel confident and competent. That's where we have to focus because that's what really matters. So your first step was acceptance. Now it's time to set your priorities. So I talked a minute ago about making that list that we could sit down and we could make this enormous list of all the struggles, all the challenges, all the ways our kids are different, all the lagging skills that we want to work on, all the improvements in behavior that we want to um, work on creating. And I do want you to actually make that list. And it's going to feel kind of yucky. It's not going to feel great to sit down and write out a list of your child's challenges, right? But you're also going to list all of the positive aspects. Tell their strengths, tell their interests, tell their awesome personality traits. You know, my son is a very loyal kid. He is an awesome friend because it really matters to him to be really supportive of other people. And so that would be one of the positives. It's not necessarily something we would think about that our kid does well, but it is. It's something that he does well. He's a good friend. He's a loyal friend. And then what I want you to do with this with these lists, so you have your negative list, your positive list, take that negative list and prioritize what is most important in your life right now to start tackling on that negative list. It's is definitely always at the top of that list, safety issues. Safety issues have to be first. Your child's safety, your safety, sibling safety, you know, those around them and must be safe and they must be safe. So anything that falls into the bucket of safety needs to be a top priority. Then after that, you know, what is kind of the heaviest weight 
in life in your household right now, those need to go up toward the top of the list. And what you'll find is once you prioritize, some of those things at the bottom of your list could really go away right? Some of those things are going to be, again, more acceptance, acceptance of your child's differences. They're not all negative. They're not all bad. We can spin some of those things into really positive um, uses. We have mirror traits. Dr. Hallowell talks about mirror traits with ADHD, how hyperactivity is, you know, a a big energy. It's energetic. Lots of the um, symptoms that we often think about as negative are actually great traits for entrepreneurs or problem solvers or really creative folks. So, you're going to look at that list of priorities of things that are challenging that you want to work on from that lens too. Ask yourself, what on that list could you kind of spin as a more positive thing, not something that you just need to jump on and work on and change? And I also want you to ask, what can you change and what is not changeable, right? Because I think we put a lot of things on that list that is part of who our kids are. And you need to ask yourself for every single item on that list, is it something that I can even change, that my child can even change? You know, my son has severe executive functioning deficits. Planning and organization is almost completely non-existent for him, almost completely non-existent. Is that going to change? No. That is the brain and the way he is wired. It is not going to change. What can change is improving the skill a little bit as much as as possible and then working on establishing strategies, tools, accommodations that will work around that deficit so that he can still succeed. So with your priorities then, you have to pick a couple at the top of each list, your negative list, your challenges, your positive list, you know, those talents, interests, passions, great um, characteristics, prioritize in the positive what you want to really nurture, what you want to start focusing a lot on. And think about too, what on that positive list could help with some of the items on your negative list, right? Because often we can take those strengths and use them to help with weaknesses and challenges. So you've got your list of priorities. You're asking yourself these hard questions. I'm not going to pretend that this is an easy or fun or even pleasant process. It's hard. It's hard to think about our kids' struggles and challenges. It's hard to look at them on paper. It can be overwhelming emotionally. But the point is that you're taking this information from a very realistic point of view. You have to be real about what your parenthood is. You have to be real about how your parenting values and expectations fit with the child that you have. 
And this is not your neurotypical, what I call every child. You don't have the every child. You have a child with differences who needs a different approach. Not a bad or good approach, not a good or bad child. I never, ever like the terms good or bad for behavior, for kids, for describing almost anything. It's just not um, ideal. It's not a good way to describe things. And you're going to now think about what is the reality of my child on this list of priorities. And those things, I really want you to question can I let go of them? Can I let go of the fact that my kid is not organized? Yes, yes, I can. And I have. Um, and now we're just working toward how do we accommodate for that? How do we create systems and strategies and use tools that will help him to be able to succeed despite the fact that planning an organization is just not an innate skill for him? You can let go of the small stuff. And this is the work that you have to do as the parent. This isn't on our kids. This is our stuff. Our stuff is working on figuring out what matters and letting go of everything else. And I will tell you, and I've said this on the podcast before, and I really drive this home at the Happy Mama retreats that we have each year, letting go is freeing. Letting go is self-care. Letting go will change your life. Not letting go of everything, not saying, okay, well, this kid's not going to succeed. He has all these weaknesses and challenges. My child is just hopeless. That is not at all what I'm saying. And no child is hopeless. None. Zero. No child is hopeless. You're letting go of some of the stuff that just weighs you down. You're not letting go of that overarching goal that we talked about, that happiness, successfulness, competence, and confidence. We're never letting go of those goals. We're letting go of the day-to-day crap that is weighing us down, that is distracting us from those goals, that society is telling us are important when really they're just not important for us. They're just not. And that's perfectly okay. You know, you're, you're just honoring what's true for your child and what's true for yourself. What your parenthood looks like, you're honoring that. And that is a gift, people. It's a gift to really accept and walk in that truth. A huge gift. I can't describe in words, which is funny since words are my thing as a writer, right? And a podcaster, but I can't even find the words to express how different I feel after letting go of some of the extra crap that didn't matter. It is beyond freeing. I just can't find the words. Start little, let go of one thing. You know, one of the very first things I ever let go of was grades in school. My son has a very gifted IQ um, and he barely makes C's and D's and sometimes B's with a lot of help. Um, He's been doing some online classes with me at home and some in person and the online classes he's been getting A's and B's and he says to me, look mom, I really am smart. You know, doing these online classes with him, which I dreaded, totally dreaded, 
has actually been one of the best things we've ever done because now he feels what are those two C words? Now he feels confident and competent. He sees that he's smart. He sees that he's capable and it has boosted so much in him. So many positive things have come out of just that one thing, figuring out how we could make him competent in school. And this was the this was the thing that we came up with. And, you know, I do want to challenge him still out in the world, he has to learn how to meet um, stressors, meet people who maybe don't understand him, meet the expectations of others, and get through that and do it successfully. But he also needs to feel confident and competent, or he's never going to be successful at anything. Never. I mean, these are the people who have that very victim mindset. If you don't feel like you can do anything right, you're just wallowing in a pit of despair. And it's really hard to claw your way out of that muck. Really hard. So that confidence and competence is so important. I don't know how many times I have said that in the last 25 minutes. I know I've used those words probably a dozen times or more, but that's how important they are. That is what matters. That is what really matters for our kids with ADHD and autism. So I really encourage you to do this work that I've outlined in this show. Sit down, pen and paper, sit down at your computer, make these lists, really challenge yourself, challenge your thinking on these items, challenge if they're true priorities or something you just need to accept as reality, challenge what you can let go of, what is going to meet those goals of competence, confidence, success and happiness, and what just doesn't feed the goal. What doesn't feed the outcome that you are striving for, for your child? And I would love in the comments here in the show notes, if you guys would drop a comment about something that you've realized that you can let go of, it will really help others who are also with us on this journey to see those things that you're sharing potentially in a different light as you have. So for show notes, go to parentingadhdandautism.com slash 064 for episode 64. And you'll find links to everything that I've discussed there and can listen to other episodes as well. And I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. If you connected with this episode, please share it on social media. Be sure to visit parentingadhdandautism.com to join the conversation and take advantage of Penny's online courses and summits, retreats, parent coaching, and fantastic bonus content.